Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you in part by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And it's a beautiful fall Saturday afternoon, and welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith, and with us as usual, Donnie Blanchard from SureTop Roofing. How are you doing, Donnie? I'm having a great day. How about you, sir? It's a fantastic day. Uh, we'll show you what it looks like outside a little bit later, because we have a great view from our studio we here sure do. high atop the seventh floor of Smoke Tree Tower. Well, if you're not familiar with the Carolina Contractor, the place to start is the website. The address is Donnie thecarolinacontractor.com. Which can find details about the show, including the Facebook link. And that's what Donnie updates all the time. You can get links to past shows, download them in the podcast, listen to them at your own pace. We've got a YouTube page and also Ask the Contractor, which I refer to as Ask the Donnie. If you have a question about your house, the inside, the outside, the roof, the bottom, the top, grilling techniques, maybe if you want to get a hot tub, how to install it, Donnie would like that question. If he can't answer it, he'll find somebody who could. And if we have time today, we would like to talk about some questions people have sent in. But we have a pretty big topic, and it's the time of year, which is, aside from Halloween, is an election coming up. Mm -hmm. Now, we're not a political show. No. But some of the stuff that has been uh, put in platforms of political parties definitely will affect your house. It will affect your job, building codes and things like that. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first, a little history lesson from Donnie. Yep. I um, I don't know if you've ever looked into this or not, but you always see the elephant uh, being associated with the Republican Party and the donkey with the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. So uh, just for folks out there listening who have never looked that up before, I'll share a story with you that uh, Andrew Jackson, the guy on the $20 bill, uh, he's actually a war hero uh, back in the 1800s, and he was running for president. So uh, the guy he was running against labeled him a jackass, and he said – uh, well, that's fine. He just ran with it. So uh, it turns out political cartoonists were a big thing back in the 1800s because they didn't have many other sources of media to get their message out there. So uh, being a confident guy, he just ran with it, and the donkey ended up being associated with him as a Democrat. And uh, he actually won that election and was the first democratically elected president. Mm-hmm. And um, with the elephant, uh, Abraham Lincoln representing the Republican Party back in the 1800s, uh, he used the elephant on his campaign material and he got the elephant idea from an expression that soldiers used who were in battle. And they used to describe the elephant or they used to describe battle as seeing the elephant. And when I read this, I just got chills because you can imagine, you know, the rubber meets the road when you're out there and someone's trying to kill you. It's going to get real, real quick. Right. That's exactly right. Now, this isn't a political show. Obviously, we talk about houses and building and stuff. But again, this election coming up um, – We're not picking on an individual candidate. This is just the obvious thing. We noticed on Joe Biden's page that he has a climate plan, Mm -hmm. and his climate plan is to be net zero by 2050 and carbon neutral by 2035. Real quickly, Donnie, explain net zero versus 
carbon neutral. Yeah, this ties into what we've spoken about over the last, I don't know, 10 or 20 shows. And Mm -hmm. um, it really got my attention. What we've said before is net zero basically means there's a house that produces as much electricity as it consumes. So uh, basically you're using solar panels, geothermal heat pumps, things like that. And, um, you know, your family is monitoring their conservation. And and at some point that electricity consumed equals the amount that you pump out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Carbon neutral is similar. Basically what they're trying to figure out is how to remove carbon emissions from the atmosphere or just eliminate carbon emissions altogether so that uh, we don't have more than we don't produce more than we consume. So similar to net zero, but I would say that the carbon emission applies more to the auto industry. Right. So again, we're not going to get into the details of whether some candidate you should support or not support on this, but just how it can affect you in general, especially when it comes to your house, because the other big plan is about retrofitting and changing building mm-hmm. codes, making homes more energy efficient, which Everyone here in the room and in Radioland would agree is a good thing. Yeah. But the question is, should the government be mandating or forcing it? And if they are, what are the costs involved? So we're going to hit kind of the high points of this uh, platform in Biden's campaign. Number one being it's upgrading four million existing buildings Mm -hmm. and weatherizing two million homes. So Mm -hmm. you looked at a little bit more of what that might require. Yeah, and uh, the big thing with net zero is it's really hard to accomplish as a retrofit. So with net zero, you almost have to start from scratch and do this with a new construction mm-hmm. build. I just feel like that's really tough to do. Uh, when you said about weatherizing uh, so many homes and bringing buildings up to this net zero code, uh, that's the only way to successfully accomplish that. You can't just do new construction. You have to account for what's out there now, and I just don't know that – it is totally realistic. And uh, one thing that, that I did is I, I thought back to 1990, and even though I wasn't in the construction field other than working for my father, uh, we've come a long way. When you consider a house that was built in 1990, you know, windows are double pane now with argon gas between the panes, and uh, they have a low E coating on it. And that's just become code minimum in just a short time. So I could totally see uh, thing. I could totally see technology advancing to the point where we may have windows that are an R value of 10 or 15 and that's just customary down the road. But uh, there are things that make sense. And when you're betting on technology, I think that that's a, a safe bet for some of that stuff. But for all this stuff to come together collectively and in that short of a time span, I just don't see it happening. And as you said, for retrofitting, it's not nearly as effective. So another part of that platform is building one and a half million energy efficient homes. So that's talking about starting from the ground up which we've talked about this in mm-hmm. the past, if you're going to make an energy-efficient home, you, the best time to do it is when you break ground to right. put in that foundation and go up the right. the way that way. Well, more so than that, I think about uh, some of the things that we have going on in the construction industry right now. I mean, labor shortage is a real thing. We did a whole show around you know why we think that it's really hard to find good help. And yeah. another thing, material prices are sky high right now. Uh, total side note is I have a connection at a trust company, and, of course, they buy lumber on a whole nother scale than the average consumer. But this guy told me that they are expecting lumber prices to come down uh, drastically by the end of this year. And as a matter of fact, two buys, like two by fours, two by sixes, have already started to come down. Plywood is just holding strong, and plywood's about five times more than it was last year. Well, good, because I want to build a deck, and I delayed it. <laughs> yep, I agree. And, um, you know, another thing that comes to mind with this being realistic or not is uh, people just don't have an understanding of of how important a lot of this stuff is. And you know, you've got builders out there, and they, they want to build the house as cheap as possible so they can sell it as cheap as possible. And unfortunately, that's 
the majority of, of business models out there, you know, until it becomes a code requirement, like we mentioned a few shows uh, prior that uh, the energy code is about twice as strict as it was just 10 years ago. So unless some of this stuff becomes a mandate, I just don't see everybody getting on board to make it happen. Well, the time frame of this was four years. Now, you just mentioned something that we really didn't plan to talk about, but I think it's really important. You know how the chain of command works on building a house. It's not you might be a GC, but there's other specialists mm-hmm. that come in. They're all going to have to be synced together and have the materials and the training to build these houses. Right. That, to me, sounds just by itself yep. would take 10 years yep. just to get the chain lined up correctly to exactly. start building like this. Now, I'm all for forward thinking, and if you can get all your subcontractors on that same page and everyone to uh, to work in sync with one another – I'd I know how hard it is just to find qualified labor right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it takes someone like myself where I've been building for 15, 20 years and I have established this subcontractor base who are, they're just phenomenal. But my sub base did not look like this 15 years ago. So it's taken a lot longer to uh, put people in place that I can depend on. And then, you know, you got to make sure those people are paid on time. You got to make sure that they do their, their proper continuing, continuing education and, uh, just a lot of pieces and parts here that, um, are already suffering. You know, one thing I hear when I talk to my subcontractors is, man, we can't find any help. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I kind of keep quiet on that front. I've had the same crews for about 12 to 15 years, and I'm just very blessed in in that area. But um, there are a lot of people who just just can't keep qualified folks. And so I think that that's going to be a big contributor. This is the Carolina Contractor Show, and we're talking about, uh, again, not politically speaking, just the fact that Joe Biden's campaign has talked about and their effort to address climate change on uh, making more homes that are net zero and carbon neutral. And the basic plan is the country on a whole would be net zero by 2050, carbon neutral by 2035. So let's talk about the cost of this, mm-hmm. the the basic numbers. And we know with government, they always run under their budget right. and they're on time. Right now, it's $2 trillion over four years to meet this goal. That's about $6,000 for every man, woman, and child mm-hmm. in the United States aside from every other thing that the right. government's spending money on, you just kind of – your gut and your experience says that's not going to happen. You just can't get this up and rolling that quickly. Right. So that's going to mean longer time and it's going to incur more cost. Right. What is any way you could see it possibly getting done in such a short amount of time? Well, um, the one thing that got my attention when I did my, my homework on this is that they originally had a plan to spend $1.7 trillion over 10 years. So they condensed the years and increased the money. I always preach about payback. If you do these things, um, you know, what's the payback period on doing X, Y, and Z to my house? And everything that we preach about has a pretty quick payback. Um, when you mentioned just how much this is going to cost taxpayers eventually, I'm guessing that they have uh, a plan to put – all this stuff in place or just to get the wheels in motion with the $2 trillion in the first four years. And then they're saying it's going to take 30 years to successfully implement. But um, I, I'm kind of torn on this one because I know that, that you know a big change can't happen in four years. I'm wondering where you pump $2 trillion to get everybody on the same page in that time span. And that said, I always preach about it's never going to be cheaper to build than it is today. So I built my house 10 years ago. My house would cost another $100,000 if I were to build it today. So, I know where some of that $2 trillion is going to go, a lot of it. Where? It's going to go to signs throughout the country saying we're getting ready to build net zero houses right here. Right. They're going to right. spend a lot of money advertising it, but yep. before the shovels hit the ground, I'm with you. I think yeah. realistically you can pump $10 trillion into it. Right. You need time to develop this plan out yep. to get it into action. I don't think it would 
be that quick. So if I were going to side with anything to do with this plan, I would say that uh, there's a uh, there's a, a miniature city, so they it's not a subdivision there. I think around 30,000 people projected to eventually live there, and there's this German engineer. This guy is a genius, and I'll put this up on the website, by the way. I um, I saw where he has these neighborhoods planned out, and everybody is going to work off of geothermal power. So similar to a geothermal heat pump with your HVAC system, mm-hmm. he has subdivisions sectioned out so that so many houses can live off of this geothermal uh, power source. So instead of selling them gas or electricity, he's selling geothermal power. And basically all these houses are set up to be net zero and uh, they only consume exactly what he produces. And he has a really good recipe. And I know that that's doable, but to implement that nationwide, I, I still think it's far-fetched. It's the geography. Exactly. We've talked about this in the past, Donnie, of things you can do as an individual of your own house that you can help increase the mm-hmm. efficiency of your, of your home. What would the cost if we can kind of scale this down to the individual house, some of the price points that would happen to an individual house to, I guess in this case, retrofit. Right. You can retrofit some houses, especially if they were built, say, in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, going back to a house from the 80s or the 90s, I don't know uh, how that would really work out. And you may spend more money doing the retrofit than you would just building a new house. Uh, what I'm seeing right now, you know, for a net zero house, depending on the area you live in, uh, anywhere from two hundred to four hundred dollars per square foot, mm. and yeah, that's that's a scary number. But uh, that two hundred dollars a square foot, if I were to build a net zero house just here in our area, I would say that we were we could get somewhere around that two hundred dollar a square foot mark, and that's that's with a condition crawl space, that's with uh, solar panels, and um, you know, of course, when you factor in the tax credits from solar panels, that number comes down a little bit. But um, I think that a lot of people really really go overboard, and there are a lot of builders who. Uh, not many around here, but there are builders who specialize in this. And if you do everything you can possibly do, you're all over that three to four hundred dollar square foot mark. Yeah, and if you're not having to pay a high electric bill or a gas bill or something, it makes sense. But it goes back to what you said: right? right. Building new houses mm-hmm. to be efficient is much easier than retrofitting. Right? Would you say that investing that much money in that many homes, four million homes, do you think that that's really just a waste? Should you just say, hey? This is going to take a generation to change, but the old houses stay how they are, and let's just focus 100% on new builds. Well, weatherization of the old houses I think is important, but there's only so far you can take that. So I I do feel like um, they should focus on the older houses as well as the new houses. Um, uh, Most of the houses built in the last 10 years are pretty darn efficient. Um, The only thing I could think of is maybe add insulation overhead in the attic and a lot of Mm -hmm. the things we preach about on the show. Um, crummy windows were a thing, you know, up until about 10 years ago and changing your windows out. But, uh, we mentioned on the window topic that a window only has an R value of about three and that's, that's pretty darn good. But when you're building this wall cavity or your envelope of your house as an R25 to an R30, you know, you can, it's obvious where all the heat transfer takes place when you get the window and that's an R3, that's, that's where you're losing or gaining Mm -hmm. your heat there. Um, but, um, but yes, I do feel like, all in all, you know, putting the money towards this is something that needs to to happen. Uh, I do feel like it's going to create jobs somewhere. Uh, I just think that uh, probably, oh gosh, a lot my, of government jobs. Yeah, my my builders are going to kill me for saying this, but I mean, I do feel like just implementation through the inspections and and going that route and just making people build to a certain standard, uh, a uniform standard, is about the only way to achieve this nationally. So, right, I agree with that, but that's my whole point. That in itself is yeah. going to take a decade or two yeah. to get that running. So I think 
the idea of building energy efficient homes. Right. Fantastic. I'm for it. But it's pie in the sky to say, give us trillions of dollars. And in four years, we're going to do this. In four years, you won't even have the trucks ready to deliver the supplies, let alone, as you said, inspections and codes. And we have past episodes up on the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. We just talked about um, Hammurabi. If we go back thousands of years (laughs) and his building codes, it's going to take a while to do this. All right. We usually take a break right here, but I don't want to stop because this is very interesting. So let's let's talk about the new homeowner or the new home build. Someone is building a home. What are some of the steps they would have to take? Keep the government Mm -hmm. out of it. They just say, I want to build the most energy efficient house I can. What are some of the steps they need to take? We've got yep. the lot, right. all right? Yep. What's the first step? Well, I outlined about 10 steps when I was making my notes for the show, but um, and, and these are just recommendations but not limited to. This is more along the 200-square-foot uh, build. Um, orientation is a big thing. You know, uh, They recommend that your ridgeline on your roof should run east to west, and this guarantees that you'll have a direct south-facing slope, and that's for the solar, and we'll get to that in a mm-hmm. moment. Uh, simple design is something that they really encourage, and – uh, being an architecture major, simple design, I'm I'm all for it. And when you ride by a house in a subdivision that's a half-million-dollar house and it's cut up, it, it's beautiful, but there are a lot of leak-prone areas. There are a lot of uh, a lot of wasted space, and mm-hmm. uh, just that simple design, it basically limits uh, your exterior surface area, and exterior surface area is the enemy for energy efficiency. So mm-hmm. um, boxy, with a, boxy with a lot of open space is a good thing. And I also see on this sure. one of the most energy efficient things is popcorn ceiling. So you made those will up. be coming back, right? Oh my word, no, no. Okay. They actually cost. They make your power bill double. Don't go. Okay, popcorn. don't do popcorn ceilings. Yeah, exactly. Plus, you have no friends. <laughs> All right, what else can we do then? All right, we've um, got a simple design, yep. a box house, a uh, shotgun shack. Exactly. Uh, correct window orientation is is big, and this has been around since since I designed my house. Um, I have very few windows on the north facing side of my house. The more windows on the south-facing elevation, the better. East and west are okay as well, but um, you want to concentrate the majority of your windows where they get the most sun exposure. Um, Another side note here is uh, large overhangs. I always drew everything with at least a two-foot overhang, and the the higher summer sun, which would put the most heat into your house, those those big overhangs, even if you have south-facing windows – they cut the higher summer sun off from being able to radiate heat into your house. And I understand the benefit of awnings. Yep. But please, if you don't have to put an awning on your house, <laughs> don't put an awning on your house. Let the overhang take care of some of that yep. sunlight. Um, the correct thermal mass is a big deal. You know, concrete floors are a big thing in these net zero houses because they, they retain so much heat during the day that they let that heat back into the house. And as a matter of fact, we have a really interesting guest next week, and he has radiant heat floors. We designed his house I don't know, 10 years ago before this was all a, a big deal, and um, I'll let him elaborate on that. But concrete countertops, a lot of people have granite that kind of serves the same purpose, mm-hmm. and they just store heat. A uh, good example of this is, you know, your roof is a, a major uh, mass of thermal energy. So so your roof absorbs sunlight all day long, and it may not be 160 when the sun goes down, but it's still warm to the touch several hours sure later. Is. So just stores that. Never walk up in your attic in the summer. Exactly. Um, controlling airflow, and I think we just did the show. Build tight, ventilate right. This mm-hmm. this really touches on that. And um, you know, when you build tight, ventilate right, I think y- you can get your house down to about one percent in terms of air leakage versus thirty percent, which is the average house. So that makes a really big difference. And the thing you want to make sure there is you want to uh, get fresh air introduced into there, fresh filtered air into your system uh, through your HVAC system. Um, balanced insulation. 
A lot of folks push for the same insulation overhead in the walls and down below uh, where now our code is R19 in the floor. R13 is the minimum in the walls. And then R38 overhead is what, what they uh, require you with the inspe- from the inspections department. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of these net zero folks are going, you know, R50 uh, to 70 overhead. They're going R50 in the walls, and they just recommend that you have the same amount of insulation everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, your HVAC equipment, uh, we can't say this enough. That, right. That's a big deal. Um, I think the push here is to go all electric with this stuff. So a heat pump. Or a geothermal heat pump are what they recommend. The tax credits for geothermal are not what they were 10 years ago, but they're still out there. And um, I guess the the technology there says that it's much cheaper to move heat from one thing to another. With the geothermal, you're moving the heat from the ground into your house and, and figuring out a way just to condition your air that way. But, yeah, moving moving heat from one thing to another is much cheaper than burning a fossil fuel. So I see their point there. Mm-hmm. Uh, domestic hot water, and uh, I guess this is a nice way to say it. Uh, you're making your own hot water in-house. Uh, the reason it's called domestic, but solar water heaters, oh, they've come a long, long way in the last 10 years. Um, there is a ground source heat pump, so it actually uses the coils from your HVAC system, and the water is heated up through there and then stored in a storage tank that looks just like a water oh, so heater. So it's just taking advantage of a heat generation that's, that's already, already there. there. Exactly. Perfect. Yep, yep. I'm, uh, I'm going to look into that for our house, and I've got so much on my plate that that seems like a big move to make. But if it's cost effective, I think I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, efficient appliances and lighting. Both of these have come a long, long way in 10 years. And I just recommend when you get the appliances, you go through the energy tags and you see how much they use uh, every year. And, you know, you'd be amazed at the difference in some of the refrigerators out there. It costs triple to power a refrigerator with all the bells and whistles. I actually scored a couple big screen TVs in our house mm-hmm. years ago because I showed my wife the sticker. <laughs> so guys, if you're angling for a big screen TV, they'll have the little energy efficient stickers and how much energy they'll absorb use in a year and right. the average year. And it's like a couple bucks. Right. I mean, and then you can say, hun, I mean, it's yeah. for the environment. Yeah. I've yeah. got to get the 60 inch screen TV. No. Second thing on, uh, I know LED lights and stuff. Uh-huh. I hate them. Yep. But I have a lot of them yep. because especially in – we've got in our kitchen some of the uh, uh, cans. Mm-hmm. The, the light goes in and, and the light is actually countersunk to the ceiling. Yep. Those cans would heat up with a normal incandescent light bulb right. and blow all the time. I replaced them with LEDs years ago. Yep. They just don't burn out ever. So I am a proponent of LED. I don't necessarily want – a government saying you right. have to use it, Same but here. they do work and they are energy efficient. It's funny you say that because those uh, recessed can lights that you're talking about, they used to have a slang called ICAT. That's a, you, I want 30 ICATs in my house, and ICAT meant for in contact and airtight. And so because they didn't have LED bulbs readily available, that hot bulb was their only option. They had to make the recessed can so that it didn't melt mm-hmm. with the bulb in there all day long. So the in-contact was something that you had to have to uh, meet code about 10 years ago. Oh, I didn't know that. The yep. more you learn, there, there you are. the rainbow. <laughs> all right. Well, that's uh, step nine. And, and step 10 is the obvious, uh, solar panels. So the important thing to know about solar panels is if you don't do the first nine steps, the solar panels are virtually uh, ineffective. And you can spend thirty grand on solar panels, but um, it's just not going to do anything if you don't have an efficient home. Um, and that said, if you don't have an efficient home, most most homes don't have the roof area to support the solar array to power the whole house if, if you need that much power uh, from it being inefficient, poorly insulated. So some of these houses in my neighborhood that have a solar system of, you know, three big panels, I'm, I'm going to ballpark the size. They mm-hmm. look like three or four panels that are four by eight. Mm-hmm. 
the house is 25, 30 years old. Right. So you're saying if you get those panels on, you may feel better about yourself and think, hey, I'm making a difference, but mm-hmm. you're probably not going to see the advantage of those panels. No. Um, normally, you'll see the whole roof area on the south-facing slope covered to, to really see the advantage. And I guess the goal with a solar is to generate enough electricity during the day so that you backfeed into the electrical grid. And then at night when the sun goes down and you're consuming that power instead of backfeeding it, you know, you want to generate enough during the day so that uh, when your meter spins forward that you don't consume more than you generated. All right. Uh, real quick, run down a list. I know you have it of some of the other options that can help uh, yeah, um, save energy. Some other things that aren't as popular right now, but they're they're coming along. Uh, advanced framing techniques. There are ways to frame where you basically take out a lot of the unnecessary lumber. And in place of that, you're putting insulation in there. So uh, insulation options are another big deal. We talk about flash and bat where you get one inch of spray foam and put a bat behind that. That's exponentially cheaper than doing all spray foam. That said, I think you're going to have to go all spray foam to accomplish this net zero on a larger scale. Mm -hmm. Um, Energy and heat recovery ventilators. This is basically an option for the fresh air intake, and we could do a whole show on that. Uh, Windmills, they're a big deal. Um, Windmills, I I think, in terms of folks in a county setting, will become more and more popular. And my understanding is there are going to be a lot more tax incentives for those in the future. And I think also in a windmill, if it's a country setting and you can make the design of mm-hmm. it fit versus right. a big white albatross. Absolutely. You know, that would actually be kind of a cool thing to yeah. see on a farm. A few they can be modern working, but right. the exterior be old school and you can walk around it with wood shoes and right. everything. <laughs> well, knowing how many uh, penetrations there are with a solar panel installation and being a owning a roofing company, you know, that's the one thing that makes me cringe about the solar panels. I would totally opt for 10 windmills that were behind my yard if I had the space for it uh, over having, you know, uh, tons and tons tons and tons of holes in my roof. Exactly. Um, An energy monitor. We talked about this about a year ago and I got some pretty good feedback, but they make these um, energy monitors and they basically go right on your electrical panel. Mm -hmm. It might be a little less than a grand to have an electrician install material and all. They make your electrical panel a smart panel so they can tell you which devices you're using too much of, what's consuming the most energy, and they'll eventually get keen to what that is. Like if you turn a hairdryer on every morning, it'll say you're using X amount of energy with your hairdryer, and that's that's a, a small example, but I think those things are really neat and um, definitely a must if you're going to watch your energy consumption. And um, we're going to do a whole show around this, but induction technology, if you folks want to read up on that, induction technology is just mind-blowing. I think that this is something they haven't really scratched the surface on, but it's going to be a major player in the next decade. So this is the Carolina Contractor Show, and today's subject is obviously energy efficiency, but also talking about governments and including our own and politicians with ideas of how can we make our country more carbon-friendly in other words, have uh, less emissions. And, and the big idea is to invest a lot of money in building houses and retrofitting houses. So, Donnie, to wrap it up, do you think the basic ideas that have come out from whether it's our current candidates for president or other countries, do you think this is something that will save the world? I don't think it's going to be uh, solely responsible for changing the world. Uh, when you look at the big picture, it's almost like we're barking up the wrong tree. And, and I'm all for this stuff. But uh, the industrial sector of, of our country especially consumes about, I think, 60 percent of the energy used. And so if we're not hitting the industrial sector and trying to figure out how to scale them back, I mean, we're kind of missing the mark. I mean, this will make a difference, and I'm all for it uh, on a local level, uh, but I, I do feel like it's going to be tough to implement. And I think variables like the size of your family is just not realistic for somebody with a big family 
to do this. I mean, I, I walk in my house daily and I turn off about 10 light switches. Oh, but Lord, uh, I've become my dad. <laughs> I know, me too. Mm. But, um, you know, your career has, if you have a, a tough career where you're on the road all the time, maybe it's not realistic. Uh, your finances, of course, will come into play because the government can't subsidize all this. And I think location is a big player. Um, small towns, the guy, the, the, the municipality that has the same inspector who's the plan review guy and who answers the phone in the mornings, you know, those folks are going to be late adopters. And I just don't think they're going to be on board with this because – uh, number one, they may not understand it, but number two, I don't think they have the resources or the population to support that. Again, I think for this to really work, it's going to take a couple of generations. Yeah. It's not going to happen in a couple of yeah. years. What was the the wise man saying? Oh, I had? read a quote, uh, and, and I wrote this down as a wise man once said, there's no such thing as net zero home, just net zero people. So, I mean, it's work to, to accomplish this. And, you know, if you don't have the time and the day to, to monitor your uh, energy consumption, and then of course, you know, get your house up to snuff with all this stuff. Then it just isn't going to happen anyway. I got a business idea for you. Mm-hmm. Let's do three uh, D printed houses that are net zero. And uh, I don't think anybody started. No, I think of that we could thing. do it. Yeah, uh, they'll be uh, what like six by three. <laughs> They're eighteen square feet, but it's enough to sleep in at uh, night. There you are. You have zero bills. Donnie no. will put a lot of stuff up on the website, and you can look at the details. TheCarolinaContractor.com. A great subject. Again, it's not a political subject, but when governments get into the area of telling you how to build your house, which they already do for safety reasons mainly, but now they're talking about for environmental reasons, it will have a big impact on how everything is done, and it will have a big impact on your wallet because the government doesn't make money. They collect taxes to do this, so it will affect your pocketbook too. So again, hit the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. And if you have a question about your house, we didn't get to questions today, please send them to Donnie. And if you have a question about your roof in particular, be sure to contact SureTop Roofing. They'll come and give you a free estimate. They'll look at your roof, check it out, make sure it's doing well. And if you need a new one or any repairs, Donnie and his staff will take care of you. But the best thing Donnie can tell you when he looks at your roof is what? Your roof looks great. Call me next year. And we'll see you next week on the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show, presented by SureTop Roofing. Learn more and submit your questions at thecarolinacontractor.com. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.